James is right after Hebrews in the New Testament, towards the the back fourth of the New Testament there. James chapter 1, beginning at verse 1. James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes who are dispersed abroad. Greetings. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. But if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But he must ask in faith, without doubting, for the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For that man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord, being double-minded and unstable in all of his ways. But the brother of humble circumstance is to glory in his high position, and the rich man is to glory in his humiliation, because like flowering grass, he will pass away. For the sun rises with a scorching wind and withers the grass, and its flower falls off, and the beauty of its appearance is destroyed. So too the rich man in the midst of his pursuits will fade away. Blessed is a man who perseveres under trial. For once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say he is tempted. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself does not tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. Then when lust has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is accomplished, it brings death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good thing given to, every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. In the exercise of his will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, so that we would be a kind of first fruits among his creatures. This you know, my beloved brethren, but everyone must be quick to hear and slow to speak and slow to anger. For the angry man does not achieve the righteousness of God. Therefore, putting aside all filthiness 
and all the remains of wickedness in humility receive the word implanted which is able to save your souls but prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves for if anyone hears the word and and not a doer he is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror for once he has looked at himself and has gone away he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was but the one who looks intently at the perfect law the law of liberty and abides by it not having become a forgetful hearer but an effectual doer. This man will be blessed in what he does. And if anyone thinks himself religious and yet does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this man's religion is worthless. Pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our God and Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself abstained from the world. Unstained from the world. May the Lord add his blessing today to both the reading and the hearing of his word. Will you pray with me? Fathers, we come before you today. We do give you thanks for this word. We give you thanks, Lord, that you have called us to gather in your house as your church. And we thank you, Lord, that you have given us the power of this word because it will transform our lives. Have your way in our hearts. Holy Spirit, fill this sanctuary full of your presence. Lead us into your perfect will, we pray today in Jesus' name. And amen. James, the brother of Jesus, wrote this epistle to the Jewish believers in Christ scattered throughout the world. They were scattered for many reasons. Some because of their disobedience to God early, you know, as many as 500 years before Jesus came to the earth. But after Christ The believers were many times persecuted and felt that they needed to get out of Jerusalem and they were scattered throughout the world. Again, that was part of God's plan to take the gospel to the world. A little persecution in our lives is not always a bad thing. We're never happy about it when we're going through it. But it draws us closer to the Lord. And sometimes it will move us in the direction that God's been calling us that we have been refusing to go in. I know that's been very true in my life. There was a time when I did not want to leave Malta Methodist Church. And a little persecution in my life changed that. And it was one of the things that God used to move me into the next place that he called me to that I myself was not wanting to go so when it comes into your lives don't think that it's necessarily a bad thing 
you might want to pause and seek the Lord out as what it is He's really trying to accomplish in your life. Don't miss those moments when God is leading us, sometimes under much pressure and duress in our lives, to the new place that He's calling us to in Him. Paul says, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. You must think, man, Paul, what are you? What have you been drinking? What have you been smoking? You, how can this be a good thing when we're under trials and pressures like this? But see, Paul, from experience, knows that God uses these things to accomplish good things in our lives. We want everything to stay good and easy all the time, but God knows it's under the stress and the pressure that we grow and we move in Him and become the people that He's calling us to become in Him. We just want everything to be easy all the time. But God knows what's best. And He allows these difficulties to come into our lives to move us to the place that He's calling us to. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. Knowing that when the testing, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Someone who will hang in there, who will be in there for the long haul. Not a five minute wonder. I know a lot of new Christians that burn bright for a short period of time and then they seem to fade away. The trials and the testings that we all go through are to produce endurance in us. Not all of us will allow that process to happen in our lives. Some will choose to fall away. But God uses these things to build our faith, to increase our relationship with Him, to grow us in our understanding. The enemy wants to use these things to cause us to give up and to say, this doesn't work in my life. He wants to cloud your thinking, causing you to give up. But God is at work in your life, calling you to the next level in Him. He doesn't want you to stay as newborn babes in Christ, that you're always on the milk. He wants you to grow and become mature believers in Christ. That you're able to handle the meat of the Word. It penetrates deep into you. It sorts out things in your life that the rest of the world says it's not a big deal. But to God it's a big deal because it is calling you into perfection in Him. To be perfect as He is perfect. And some of you may say, but Jamie, I don't want to be perfect. I'm not the one calling you. I'm not the one who's saving you. And neither are you. Jesus is the one who paid the price on the cross to redeem you unto his Father. And his Father is calling you into a relationship as sons and daughters of the Most High. Willing to die to your old self. Willing to... Press on towards that goal, that high calling which is found in Christ. To be like Him. Count it all joy, brothers and sisters. 
Let endurance have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. That's what Christ is calling all of us to. Now, it's not instantaneous. I wish it was. I've been on this 50-year journey here in my life. And I'm way more than 50, but 50 years of it, I've been pursuing Christ. And in that process, he has taken me through so many things. So don't think it's strange that he's going to take you through some of the same things. But in doing so, he is bringing us to that place where we are perfect and complete and lacking in nothing. The enemy wants you to think, look, you're never going to achieve it in this life. Don't even bother trying. Just wait till the sweet by and by. In the twinkling of an eye, you'll be transformed. But Christ is calling you and I to die to self today in this life. And in this life, walk in a relationship with him where we are continually being transformed day by day into his likeness. Giving Him the glory. And the world looks at your life and sees that transformation and knows that you are a new creation in Him. They may be a little bit scared of you. They may think you're weird. But I tell you, when they get in a rough spot, you're the very person they're coming to. Because they know you have a connection to the Most High. And I don't want you saying, well, you need to go talk to Pastor Jamie. I don't want you saying that. Because you are the person that God has put in their path. You are the one who he has, through relationships and through the stuff that you've been through, uniquely equipped you to be able to speak truth into their lives in that moment. Not Pastor Jamie. My job is to equip the church and send you out to go do that stuff. But if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all generously without reproach and it will be given to him. You know, we, we learn things about the Bible, but not, not always we have this knowledge, but not always do we have the wisdom how to share it and how to implement it. The enemy loves to keep you ignorant when it comes to being wise in the use of the word. So many people think they're doing the Lord's work and they use a scripture out of context. And they hurt people with the scripture with the way they they beat them over the head with it. God does not want that. That is not the way he does business. He wants you to exercise wisdom. And wisdom also open up love to flow through you so that you're able to do it in love. Not in law, but in love. Wisdom. We are to ask for wisdom. That's one of the things that I ask for in my life, that God gives me wisdom. Sometimes I feel like I'm still lacking, but... I, I, I have to keep praying and asking for more and asking for more. But He will give it to all of you. He doesn't want you to be ignorant people. 
He doesn't want you to be ignorant sons and daughters. He wants you to have wisdom, knowing how to apply the things of His Word in the right way, in the right moment, so that it accomplishes that which He sent it forth to accomplish. Verse 6 says, when we ask for this wisdom, we must ask in faith without doubting. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven, tossed by the wind. For a man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from God, being double-minded, unstable in all of his ways. You and I, when we ask of the Lord, we need to ask in faith, believing that He not only hears our prayers, but He answers our prayers, and that He is not only giving it to certain people, but He longs to give it to us. He's not just giving it to the Sunday school teacher. He's not just giving it to the pastor in the pulpit. But He is going to give it to all who ask of it. We need to expect that we are going to receive. We don't pray like the world prays. We pray in faith, knowing and believing that He is not only a hearer of our prayers, but He is... He is answering our prayers when they line up with His Word. And His Word here says, He wants you to have wisdom. So guess what? You're praying the very heart of God when you ask for wisdom. You're not asking for something that He doesn't want you to have. You're asking for something that He longs for you to have. Wisdom and understanding. He is going to answer that prayer. Now, I want you to understand this. Sometimes wisdom comes through experience. So when you pray for wisdom, sometimes He's going to take you down a road that's going to be full of experiences so that you gain wisdom. Sometimes He's going to implant it into you. And sometimes it's going to be engraven, engraven into you, you know. I mean, it's going to be plowed deep in there. And it's going to probably hurt. But the end result is going to be a positive thing. We're never happy when it comes hard. We're never happy. But those are the lessons you never forget. Those are the things that you will exercise, you know, in a way because... You know that you know that you know. But a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. One who, this minute we think God's this way, and the next minute we've listened to the enemy and we start doubting and he's not going to give it to me. And don't be a double-minded man. Know that God speaks truth, that God truly loves you, and it is His intention that you grow in Him and become a son and daughter who is wise in the handling of the Word of God and that you are able to help people. People who don't see the truth. They read the Word, but it's words on a page. But you have understanding and you have wisdom how to exercise that in everyday life. 
And then Paul, I mean, uh, James goes on to say, but the brother of humble circumstance is to glory in his high position. Some of us don't have much. Some of us find ourselves in a position where we've lost it all and we're starting all over again. But James says that we are to glory in our humble position because that is what brought us to Christ. When we had it together, we didn't need Him. We were self-sufficient in and of ourselves. But because we've been brought low, we recognize our need of a Savior. And we recognize how much He loves us and how He's going to use us in His great plan for His glory. But then James goes on to say, the rich man is to glory in his humiliation. Because like the flowering grass will pass away, the sun will rise with a scorching wind and withers the grass and the flower falls off and the beauty of its appearance is destroyed, so too the rich man in the midst of all of his pursuits will fade away. Now it's not that a rich man can never make it to heaven. That's not the deal. But to those who never have a change of heart, everything is going to pass away. All your material wealth in this world is not going to get you to heaven. Sometimes God allows us to be laid low in our humiliation. So that we accurately come to an understanding of who we really are. And that without Him, we are absolutely nothing. And anything good that I am, it is because He has given it and made me into that. It has nothing to do with my own ability. It has everything to do with my choosing to yield to Him. Making a choice to yield to Him and to His will in my life. The sooner we make that choice, the happier we're going to become. Verse 12 says, Blessed is the man who perseveres under trials. Don't don't give up persevering under trials. Blessed. Happy is the man who perseveres. People say, Pastor Jamie, how do you do what you do? How do you, how do you not get upset at some of this stuff? I look at you and you're, you're not even mad. Fifty years of putting me through some of that. Thirty years teaching high school to teenage boys... You love to have prank you do you know, love to do things to you. God is calling us to persevere under trials, and in that we are going to become blessed and happy people. No longer are we going to be r- ruled over by our feelings and our emotions and by our in Uh, our, our inability to change the situation. But we just have to come to the place that where it's in God's hands. And I am happy in who He is and where I am in Him today. 
For once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. The crown of life. To each one of us who have become a born-again believer in Christ Jesus, and we know that his shed blood on that cross has atoned for all of our past sins and iniquities, and he has made us whole before the Father, justified just as if we have never sinned. What we have in him is eternal life. Now, again... If you're one of those people that thinks eternal life starts after life on this earth is over, you've missed part of it. Eternal life can start today. Jesus said, I came that you would have life and have it more abundant. You don't have to live in the gutter. You don't have to live in disappointment. You don't have to live in defeat. And I see so many Christians, they're... They fill the pews of our churches and they are unhappy and defeated Christians. They don't live in victory. Jesus said, I came that you would have life and that you would have it more abundant. He didn't say, I came that you would have a big house, big cars, lots of boats. He didn't say that. He said, I came that you would have life. Sometimes we view things the way the world views it. He says, I came that you would have life. Life is found in Christ Jesus and having a relationship with our Heavenly Father. Life is knowing that we're no longer controlled by our past, but we are living in the now and in the future that He is calling us to. And that he has a plan for your life. That he is not going to allow the past to control your future. But he has a plan for you to become a new creation in Christ Jesus. The crown of life. Life begins today if you're born again believer in Jesus. And you carry the full promise that you will spend eternity with him. Never to be separated. Then James says, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself does not tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. Each one of us, we have, we're, we're all made up a little different, but we have, in our own personalities, we have these lustful things that are in us, things that we want, things that control us. And the enemy, he can read your, he can read your heart really well. And this word that James uses, that we are carried away and enticed. When, when the desires of your heart are pulling you and you do not live in self-control, that we're called to, be self, to live in self-control, do not allow your emotions and your desires to overtake you and control you, the passions of the flesh to, to control your life. That word entice, it's a, it's a fishing term here. It hangs the little bait out there. 
swings the bait in front of you and keeps shaking it right in front of your eyes and your eyes start lusting after it I want that I want that I want that Fred I want that Fred listen to those words but when each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. The natural bent that's in each one of us, the natural bent that we have towards certain sins. You know, I am not in any way tempted by alcohol, but some people, oh my. I'm not in any way tempted by drugs, but some people. I'm not in any way tempted by money, but some people are. But I appreciate the female form. Now I have to keep that controlled in my life. I think that's God's crowning creation. Thumbs up, Lord. I have to keep that in check. I've been happily married 45 years. You have to ask Patty how long she's been happily married, but I've been happily married 45 years. <laughs> then when lust has conceived, it gives birth to sin. When you let that lust control your thoughts and overtake your heart, it will give birth to sin. You and I must check it right at the beginning. Give it to the Lord. Don't let it dwell in your head. Don't give it a place to stay. When you keep rolling it over and over and over, it will, like that little bait hanging in front of you, it's going to start leading you around. And you're going to go in places that you never intended to go. And the end result... James says, when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. Death is eternal separation from your Heavenly Father. Eternal separation from your Heavenly Father. You don't even know what that means yet. Because in this life... Even when we are not walking with the Lord, His provenient grace is out there being exercised in our life. The grace that goes before salvation is at work in your life. You don't even begin to know what the absence of the presence of God really is like. But those who are in hell know what the absence of the presence of God. And you don't want to experience that. Verse 16 says, Don't be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or the shifting shadow. Every good thing, every perfect gift comes from the 
from God. Now to the self-made man, I earned it by the sweat of my brow and with the blisters on my hands. This is mine. And that person is going to be laid low. But to those of us who understand that it comes from God. Every good transformation in your life, when you get a handle on a particular sin that no longer lords over you, that you are walking in victory in that, you can't take credit for that. Because He gave you the power to overcome. He gave you the wisdom to, to recognize the moment when that temptation was starting to overtake you and you gave it to Him. You can't even brag about that. In the exercise of His will, He brought us forth by the words of truth so that we would be a kind of first fruit among His creatures. Jesus was the first fruit in His resurrection He was the first of many to come. And you and I, who are born again, are part of that. And the transformation in our life by the dying to self and and no longer being controlled by the lusts of our hearts, the desires of of our flesh, and the victory that comes... Little by little over time is the first fruits of the perfect transformation that lies ahead for all of us. He's given you some... My land, there is hope for me. I have learned to overcome this. You know, one of the things that I see with so many of the guys at New Hope is, all right, we're getting a handle on the drugs part, but man, the cigarettes... I just, I can't do it. I I can do all things through Christ. I didn't write it. I didn't speak it. But I am going to proclaim it because it's the Word. So where do you trust Him? Oh, I trust Him for the drugs, but I can't trust Him about the cigarettes. He just isn't faithful in that. He's not faithful in that. All right, Lord. Verse 19 says, This you know, my beloved brethren, but everyone must be quick to hear and slow to speak and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. You know, I've had to learn that. I've had to learn that. People who travel with me, they learn. I'm, I'm, except for when I'm up here or I'm teaching a Bible study, I'm really a man of few words. I listen. 
my mouth has gotten me in trouble before. Speaking too quick has gotten me in trouble before. James is instructing the church here. He's instructing believers. He says, be quick to hear and slow to speak. And then he says, slow to anger. Some of us, our natural bend is to be quick to speak. We've got so much to say. Now, it's not only women. I've known a few guys that like to talk too. But, man, my granddaughters, they got to get their, I don't know, 50, 60,000 words out every day. You know, they got to get them out. And God gives me endurance. I love them, but it's endurance, I can tell you. Slow to speak. Sometimes we need to do more listening and less talking. And make your words count. Let them be guided by the Holy Spirit. And slow to anger. Some of us, we have our natural bent. Our natural makeup is to be... Man, we get hot quick. Man, we're just right there. Bring it to a fast boil. Then some, we're slow to anger, but we do love to simmer. When Patty gets upset with me, sometimes it takes a couple weeks for her to get over it. <laughs> it's on a slow simmer. <laughs> slow to anger. For the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. If we are going to allow anger to control us, it will cause division in our relationships. It will cause us not to be successful in our witness for the kingdom of God. He's calling us to get a handle on that. Now, it's not going to happen overnight. It's going to come over time. But we have got to get that under control for His glory so we can be used of Him. For the purposes of God and His kingdom. To transform the lives of those who the enemy wants to pull down. And finishing up here. James says, Therefore, putting aside all filthiness. I tell you, we really got to get that out of our hearts. We got to get it out of our hearts. Sometimes new believers think they can walk both sides of the fence. I can clean up good on Sunday morning, but when I'm with the guys, I can say and do all the things I used to do. And that's okay because they know me. Put aside all filthiness. Clean up your mouth, clean up your thoughts, clean up your heart. Die to the old nature. Take on the divine nature of Christ. 
put aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness that's left in your heart. Cast it aside. You have to do it daily. Cast it aside because the enemy wants to keep... It's your natural bent. He wants to keep bringing that back, back up out of you. Oh, it's okay. God's forgiven me. Yeah, He's forgiven you. He's also calling you to a new nature in Christ. He's giving you life more abundant. Why do you want to go back to a less abundant life that's in the gutter? But prove yourselves doers of the word, not merely hearers, but doers of the word. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and has gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of a person he is. I didn't write these words, but they're good preachable words. Don't forget who you are. And who you are called to be. I don't want people to see Jamie here. They need to see Jesus. They need to see Jesus. Jamie can't save anybody. Jamie can't change anybody for the good. But when Jesus is what they see... The possibilities of change are beyond my ability to calculate. And he's calling each one of us who are in Christ to this life. But the one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer. That the things you do, you are effective in them because they bring transformation in every situation of life. The effectual doer. This man will be blessed in whatever he does. Why? Because the grace of God is upon him. The favor, the unmerited favor of God is on that person. You can't even help it. Because you didn't earn it, you didn't deserve it, but God gives it to you because you are a factual person in His, in the handling of His Word and allowing it to flow through your life to others. The person who does not bridle his tongue deceives his own heart. 
You don't want to be caught up in gossip. You don't want to be caught up in telling dirty jokes. You don't want to be caught up in talking bad about people. All those things hinder your witness. They, they hinder the things of God. That is not who you're called to be. That is your past. That is not who you're called to be today. That is not who you're called to be in the future. This person who does not bridle their tongue, they deceive themselves. They think they're all right. But God knows the innermost parts of you. Because all that comes from the heart. comes from the soul. It comes from the inner parts. God sees right to the center. This man's religion is worthless. He goes on to say, Pure and undefiled religion in the sight of God our Father is to visit orphans and widows in their distress. Well, I don't have time for that. They're your friends and neighbors. They're the people that's in your own backyard. They're the broken, hurting people who this life has overlooked. But but God has not overlooked them. And He's called you to be His hands and feet. He's called you to be the instrument of His love and His grace. And to meet the need that they have this moment out of the abundance that He has given you. Yeah, but Pastor Jamie, I mean, I've got this vacation fund and I've been saving for a new bass boat. All I can say is take it up with God. He'll tell you, you want that, you can have it. You can have it. And you're going to miss out on the blessing. What I have found that when I did the Lord's will, I got a blessing and I also got the desire of my heart. And many times it didn't even come out of my own pocket. I hope somebody heard what I just said. Because God longs to bless you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for the power of your written word, for it is the power to transform lives. We thank you for your grace that you give regular everyday folks that we in our own abilities, we fall so short, Lord. But you, (laughs) you forgive us. 
And you put people in our paths to lift us up, to strengthen us, to remind us, to give us hope that we too can become all those things that you're calling us to become. That your love and grace is extended into our lives, into the very place where we are today. And that it is your heart's desire to seat us in heavenly places with you. It is your heart's desire to remind us that our citizenship is in heaven. And that we are looking for the coming of our Savior. And we thank you so much for the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit who brings conviction into our lives so that we have the opportunity to recognize where we fall short. But giving us the hope that He is our counselor and our comforter and that He will never leave us or abandon us and will take every step necessary with us in achieving that high calling that you've called all of us to in Christ Jesus. We thank you today, Lord, and we receive your word. Holy Spirit, bring it deep into our hearts. Allow it to transform us. May we roll it over in our thoughts and that it has its perfect will accomplished in our lives for your glory. We ask this in the name of our risen Lord and Savior Jesus. And amen. Take the hand of someone next to you.